glorious, faithful God. You are the giver of new life. You are the one to whom we owe each breath. You are the reason for our hope. Wherever we are, however we feel, help us to realise your presence with us. Bring your light to banish our darkness. Bring your warmth to set our hearts aglow with your love. Instill your truth in our minds that we might be able to trust in your faithfulness and pour out your enlivening spirit upon us that we might know that we are your beloved children through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And so we sing, O oh my soul, O oh rise, bless you.
Bless your name, Lord Jesus. With open hearts and minds and spirits, we praise you. We are grateful that your arms are thrown so wide in welcome. And it's in the security of your embrace that we confess that we don't deserve such warmth or acceptance. We've let you down in so many ways. We failed to reflect your goodness in the words we've spoken, the way we've treated others, and in the selfish things that we've done. We ask for your forgiveness. But more than that, we ask for the courage to choose to do better. Help us to remember every minute of every day that we are yours, called by you and loved by you. Let that love and that calling make us generous to others and more loving to you. Be Lord of our lives, this day and forever. Amen.
stories of the Bible, Paul. This is Saul. Saul was a Pharisee who hated the followers of Jesus so much that he would hunt them down to be brought to trial in Jerusalem. And he would even seek to murder them. Saul was uttering threats with every breath, and he was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He asked him to write a letter to the Jews in Damascus that would allow him to arrest any Christians he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Now Saul went on his way. And as he came near Damascus, a light from heaven flashed around him, and he heard a voice that said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul cried out, Who are you, Lord? And the voice said, I am Jesus. Rise and go into the city, and you will be told what to do. So Saul got up and he opened his eyes, but he couldn't see anything. So the men who were with Saul led him into the city. After three days, a man named Ananias came to Saul. He put his hands on Saul and immediately Saul could see again. And with that, Saul became a follower of Jesus. He became the very thing he had tried to hunt and he immediately began telling people that Jesus is the Son of God, and he taught them about the mercy of God that he had received. And all who heard him were amazed. He then went by a new name, Paul, as he began preaching not just to the Jewish people, but to everyone. Despite many difficulties like being imprisoned, shipwrecked, and narrowly escaping death multiple times, Paul continued to preach about Jesus. Paul said that he would do everything he could to save people and help them know God. And that's just what he did in order to reach people who would otherwise be unreached. And many came to know Jesus because of what Paul said. Paul taught many in his day through his letters but even more have come to learn more about Jesus through the letters of Paul that can be read even to this day. Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 to 20. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the Church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, 
was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later I returned to Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Kephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am telling you is no lie. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for the gospel we preach, that it's not derived from human thought and mind, but the revelation of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. We know the coronavirus is close to home, wherever that may be. We pray for those in our fellowship and for those we love that we may be spared from this harmful disease. We give thanks for key workers helping those who are ill, those who need help and for distribution of food and supplies that we all need. We pray for our Queen and Government. Give them wisdom, sensitivity and good communication skills as they consider the advice of medical and science teams to keep us safe and develop a vaccine to prevent further hardship, illness and loss of life. We understand this virus knows no boundaries. We pray for refugees in those in war-torn countries, such as Yemen and Syria, where the potential threat from this contagious disease will be much harder to bear. We think of so many that are much less fortunate than ourselves who may contract this virus, while already short of basic food, shelter and medicine. Help the various agencies that strive to bring them help. We know this virus introduces many of us to fears that we've not previously experienced. Help us to take this opportunity to walk with you more closely and where possible to sensitively share your comfort and good news with those whom we speak, even if it is by phone or video link. Many folk around the world were drawn nearer to you or their own faith when trouble strikes. We specially pray for those who are persecuted for their belief, creed or faith, whatever that may be. Speak to those who harbour hate or jealousy. Let their hearts be changed, that they may love, help and encourage those around them. May we all unite in a Christian faith that has already changed the world. And we pray for another revival that would help so many people every day, every way and everywhere. We pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who set us free by the truth he brought us. Amen.
In our series, Studying God's Grace, we're looking today at Paul's conversion and his appointment as an apostle that he set down in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 to 17. It's the passage which we read earlier. I'd like to start by pointing out the sharp contrast between Paul's appointment as an apostle compared to the appointment that had already taken place when Matthias was recruited to the Twelve. In Acts, we find that with the betrayal and death of Judas Iscariot, the very first thing that the eleven remaining apostles did, after witnessing the ascension, was to immediately recruit a replacement for Judas. As soon as they had seen Jesus taken into heaven, and had returned to the room in Jerusalem where they were staying, they set about it as their most urgent priority. Without even waiting for the promised Holy Spirit for guidance or inspiration, they quickly shortlisted two colleagues, Joseph, called Barsabbas, and Matthias, both of whom they'd known throughout the period of Jesus' ministry. Luke records how they then prayed, Lord, show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry. Then they drew lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. But those words of Luke are the very last we ever hear of Matthias. Over a hundred miles distant and a couple of years later, Jesus appointed the most unlikely person imaginable to a vacancy as the apostle to the Gentiles. Did he appoint a Gentile? No, he appointed someone who was proudly Jewish. Did he appoint one of his disciples? No, Saul of Tarsus was a Pharisee, a disciple of Gamaliel. Saul had never met Jesus. Did he appoint an ally? No, he appointed someone who was bent on destroying the church, who had overseen repression and martyrdom, and was on a journey to Damascus to arrest Christians and return them to Jerusalem for possible execution. What do we learn from all this? First and foremost, Paul's conversion and appointment as an apostle is an object lesson in the sovereign power of God and in his grace. As Paul himself said, God who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. We discover that through the cross of Christ, no one is beyond redemption. And what do we make, by the way, of Matthias's recruitment? Do we find ourselves in situations when our good intentions and well-laid plans prove disappointing, or come unravelled. Sometimes we just need patience to rely on God's sovereign grace as he reveals his plans for us at a time of his choosing. The second piece of inspiration I take from this passage is especially appropriate as we sit out our Covid lockdown. But in view of my Covid reference, just to state the obvious, there is nothing whatever of God in Covid. 
it is of course the very opposite of all that he wants for mankind. Covid afflicts the vulnerable and the infirm. Fatalities are highest amongst the frail, amongst minorities and amongst the poor. And it's a major threat to the very people who put their own lives at risk as they selflessly offer care and support. With that said, we may take comfort that God continues to reach out to us. In our reading, Paul gives particular emphasis that in Damascus and Arabia, when isolated from his Christian peers, God explained the gospel to him. It's ironic, isn't it, that in Romans 10 verse 14, Paul wrote, How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Yet here, Paul tells us that in isolation, he learnt directly from God, with the Holy Spirit as his personal tutor. So it's now when separated from loved ones, our network of friends and our church fellowship, that we may look to the Holy Spirit to comfort us and lead us into a better understanding of Jesus. Thinking back to those eleven apostles, I wonder if they might have done better to wait for Pentecost. It is, after all, the Holy Spirit who was sent to guide us and to lead us into all truth. It's through God's sovereign grace that he will.
Go now, knowing God goes with you. Go to find God in surprising places at surprising times. Go and discover the plans God has for you in this world. May the blessing of our ever-present God, the ever-living Son and the ever-active Holy Spirit, descend upon you and remain with you, now and always. Amen. Amen.